But hey, we are going to finish our series today that we're calling Saul to Paul. It's a Good Hope vision series. And so every now and again, we go over our vision statement, which is reach up, rise up, reach out. And we make sure that we're keeping on track with that. You know, we want to be connecting with God, growing in our faith and making a difference in this world. That's what Good Hope Church is all about. And that's what we're going to keep doing. You know, there's been lots of distractions over the last few years, and we want to make sure we're doing the gospel. We're trying to connect with God, grow in our faith, uh, and make a difference in this world. You know, reach up. A real relationship with the living God is available to you. Make sure you grab hold of that relationship, not a relationship with, uh, you know, digital church services, not just a relationship with theological ideas, you know, that sort of a thing, but a real relationship with the living God. Go grab hold of that. Go and pray, connect with God. Then rise up. A real relationship with the living God will change you. You know, we are to be conformed to the image of Christ. So we need to be learning and growing, grabbing hold of wisdom and and just learning the things of God, rising up out of the garbage that's been holding us back because that stuff is not stronger than the blood of Christ. That stuff is not greater than the plan of God. And so then we step into God's plan for our lives and then reach out. A real relationship with the living God is a call to action. We're not just supposed to you know, sit around and wait to go to heaven. We're going to get some work done, bear fruit for the kingdom of God. So that's what our vision statement is. And uh, we've been covering that here for several weeks. And then last week we started talking about running in such a way as to get the prize. Let's do just a little bit of recap here. But we've got 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. We read last time as well as Philippians 3, 12, uh, through 14, which I want to look at, maybe 13 and 14. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 9, 24 here. It says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run? And by the way, this is Paul writing this. So Saul to Paul, Paul is now writing this scripture right after the all things to all people section. He gets into this one. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize." So Paul is running in such a way as to get the prize. He's telling other people, run in such a way as to get the prize. Then uh, we go to Philippians. Here in Philippians, we see Paul encouraging the church there in Philippi to do the same thing. So Philippians chapter 3, 12 through 14. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus." Paul was going forward to win the prize. You know, the things in the past, okay, well, that's done. Let's go forward from here. 
Now, sometimes you got to deal with your past. You got to make right what you can make right. And so you don't get to say, well, it's in the past. You know, it was five minutes ago. No, (laughs) that's in the present. You got to deal with it. You got to make things right. But we learn from the past. We make right what we can make right. But we don't let the past define our future. We strain on towards the goal, grabbing hold of what God's plan is. And then last week, we took kind of a uh, a sidetrack to go into an explanation of what happened to the Apostle Paul in Philippi. So he's writing to the Philippians. He ended up in jail in Philippi, and it was a big thing. If you weren't here last week, go back on YouTube and check out the uh, check out the sermon from last week and learn all about what happened in the Philippian jail. It's a super big thing. This week, we're going to continue talking about running in such a way as to get the prize. We're going to focus on finishing the race. Paul ran in such a way as to win the prize. So how do we run in such a way as to win the prize? This is a vision series. We're going to talk about some nuts and bolts of Good Hope Church. So I just want to hit some things here before we get into some more scriptures. So how do we, as Good Hope Church, how do we run in such a way as to win the prize? Well, We've got a few strategies that we've got, you know, some plays that we call that we think are going to work out. And I want to talk about our foundations class and our partner class real quick. You know, maybe you're watching and this might not end up applying to you. We do have our foundations class online, so you could end up signing up for the foundations class. But it's something that we we put out there so that people would know what the church stands for. You know, a lot of times people go to church and it might take a long time before they figure out what a church stands for. And also it's something that we require all of our volunteers to take so that we can be on the same page and we can understand what we're trying to accomplish. If we're all together going forward with the same understanding of what we're trying to do, then we can get some things done. So that's our foundations class. It's just an introduction to Good Hope Church what to expect, what we stand for. And then the partner class is like a little bit deeper understanding of that. So like the foundations class is, do I want to be a member of Good Hope Church and be a volunteer? And then the partner class is, do I want to be a partner? Do I I want to put myself in that spot? We've got a progressive membership policy here at Good Hope Church. You know, if you if you show up and you give at all, you know, a dollar, but you write your name on the on the thing, you you know, then we consider you to be a member. You know, if you if you're trying to be a Christian and you want to be a member, you're a member. You know, hallelujah. Come on in. Uh, we want to give you a hug and bring you in as part of of the body because I believe that's biblically accurate. Everybody who wants to be, who is here, who is participating, is a member. Now, until you've taken the foundations class, you can't even volunteer. You're a member, but you can't volunteer until you take the foundations class. But then partners, these are people, you know, who are bought into the vision, who believe in what we're doing, who are, you know, giving, like tithing. They're significantly participating in the the parts of the church and the things that they don't agree with, they're willing to honor anyway. You know, that's a that's a partner. And partners are, you know, they get to vote on a whole lot of important things, like whether or not we take on mortgages and stuff like that. The members get to vote on a new senior pastor, a new lead pastor. So even if you're not even a volunteer, but you're a member, you can vote on a new uh, senior pastor. Hopefully that won't be happening anytime soon, but 
that's something that members can do. So we've got members and partners. We've got those classes. And this is part of our empowerment model. We want people to be able to grab hold of their full potential in Christ. That's the purpose of Good Hope Church. You know, reach up, rise up, reach out. We want you to connect with God, grow in your faith, and make a difference. We want you to be empowered to serve the Lord effectively. So the foundations class, the partner class is a part of our empowerment model. And by the way, we are looking for volunteers. You know, we've been talking about that a little bit through the series, but, you know, I think every church is a little short on volunteers, and we have needs basically in every area. Um, we're functioning, but we could definitely use more hands to make the work light, you know? So just throwing that out there. We also have our our ministry classes, our Minnesota School of Ministry, MinSOM classes that we offer here for people who are interested in pastoral ministry through the Assemblies of God. So that's, again, part of the uh, empowerment model. We talked about our co-location ministry model. I believe, you know, we can do stuff in Jamaica. We can do things uh, in other parts of the world. We can support missionaries and projects around the world, but we also should be doing some things nearby. And there's all kinds of uh, important ministry that needs to be done, but locations are difficult to succeed in, you know, and we want to be able to have co-locations, Good Hope churches that are working together to be able to reach difficult to reach areas near us. So, you know, we've got Eagles Landing and Ball Club. We're helping with that. We've got, you know, West Duluth. We had our Morgan Park campus. We're looking to get that going again. Uh, other campuses in rural areas, you know, just believe in God to be able to uh, resource ministry in hard to reach areas. So that's our co-location model is, you know, there's a lot to it. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but that's an important thing. You know, basically the idea is if you're working at a church that can't support a pastor full-time, why not have their other job be with the church, you know, like the bigger church in Cloquet, you know, that sort of a thing, or the group of churches that are working together. Then you can get half a salary from that. You can get half a salary from your location. You know, let's say you're a good maintenance person. You can do maintenance at all the buildings, get a salary for that, and you can pastor your church, and there you go. Now it's, it's taken care of, and there's all kinds of opportunities with that. You know, I want to highlight our Kingdom Investments program. We talked a little bit about missions. We have all kinds of different missionaries. And what we want to do is empower people to be able to participate on their own and pick what they want to, what they feel led to participate in. You know, we do take 10% of the general tithes and offerings. We put that right in our missions fund. So 10% off the top from the church goes into the missions fund. But then we've also got people individually giving. You know, my individual giving is towards the Lake Geneva Christian Center Building Fund. They're in the middle of building a, a brand new building at our camp. Lake Geneva Christian Center is our camp. That's where the kids go to camp in the summer. It, there's also all kinds of other events there. But uh, that building is very, very needed because the camp is packed out and there's just no more capacity. So be able to get about 200 to 250 more people at events at the camp because of this new building. So I'm giving towards that. You can look and see what uh, what sparks in your heart and participate in that. That's our Kingdom Investments program. And then the last thing I want to talk about is uh, Pastors Appreciation Month. Hey, it's October. We got staff pastors here at Good Hope that really are serving at a sacrificial level. And I encourage you to pray for our staff pastors. So thank you for that. All right. 
So Paul ran in such a way as to win the prize. So Paul ran to win, but he also ran all the way to the finish line. He didn't stop halfway. He didn't, you know, run, get his picture taken, you know, and then go off to the side and get some something to drink. You know, I mean, he ran in such a way as to win the prize, but he also ran through the finish line. Let's go to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Here, Paul is in Rome. He's, he's under arrest in Rome. I'm not sure if he is in his rented house that he was in the last two years or if he's in jail. I don't know exactly how that is, but he's definitely in captivity in Rome. And here's what he says, and this is getting really close to the end of his life. So it could be in that last two years, or maybe it's just before that. But here's what it says. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So we see here that, you know, his time for the time for his departure is near. He's fought the good fight, finished the race, kept the faith. So he kept after it. He ran through to the finish line. So let's look at that verse seven. So many things, three major things that he says, I have fought the good fight. So Paul fought the good fight. You know, this life is a battle. This life is a challenge. This life has its obstacles. This is a fight. But make sure, you know, if you're a believer in Jesus, make sure you're fighting the good fight. I see too many Christians who end up fighting the wrong battles. You know, they just get all upset about things that don't really matter. They don't have a kingdom mindset. And, you know, make sure that if you're fighting a fight, that it's the good fight, that you're trying to bring the light of Christ to this world, that you're trying to bring peace in the midst of a storm, joy in the midst of sorrow. You're trying to bring something good to this world. Make sure you're fighting the good fight, not, you know, just off track, just like to fight or put people down or that sort of thing. Make sure you're fighting the good fight. He said he fought the good fight. Paul finished the race. He says, I have finished the race. You know, Paul wrote this again from Rome in captivity. He's going to die in Rome. So, I mean, he is he's still going all the way to the end. And then it says, I have kept the faith. So Paul kept the faith to the end. Let's stand strong for Jesus. You know, there can be an ebb and flow in people's spiritual walk. You know, obviously, if you are a believer in Jesus, then I imagine you've had times where everything is going great. Your relationship with God is wonderful. You're reading the scriptures and they're coming to life. And then you have times of stagnation or even falling back into old habits and just kind of losing sight of, of Jesus and your love of the Lord. And, you know, like Paul kept the faith to the end. He stuck with it and he finished the race. So he kept the faith to the end. And then verse eight that we read, then 
Paul gets the prize. It says, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also all who have longed for his appearing. So, you know, hey, we can get in on this reward as well. We can get in on this crown of righteousness. We can get in on the prize, you know, run in such a way as to get the prize. So we want to get the prize, and there actually is a prize, you know? There's a prize. Now, of course, walking with God is worth it for itself. You know what I mean? Like helping other people is worth it just to be kind to someone, just to show love to someone. You know, it's worth it to tell people about Jesus, to do evangelism, to try to help people find God. You know, that's worth it in and of itself to share what God has done for you and to, you know, help people learn through your mistakes or just teaching them, you know, that's worth it in and of itself without any prize. Knowing God is worth it in itself. You know, to, to know God in this life is worth it. To be able to pray and talk to God and hear from God, be empowered by the Holy Spirit, be led by the Holy Spirit, be able to connect with God in worship and prayer is worth it in and of itself if there's no prize. That's a great prize right there. You know, I'm always amazed that people believe that God is real and they believe they could talk to God, but they're just not motivated to do so. Like that makes no sense to me at all. Like go develop that relationship with God. It's it's available. It's worth it in and of itself. And, you know, like overcoming, you know, God calls us to be overcomers, overcoming the obstacles. That's worth it in and of itself. Learning and understanding what's going on. That's worth it in and of itself growing and becoming, you know, that's worth it in and of itself. But there's also a reward. There's also a prize at the end besides that. I mean, running the race is worth it. And there's a reward. The reward involves eternal life. In our video devotions, we just went through the book of Revelation. And, uh, you know, you get everlasting life and you get to walk the streets of gold in the New Jerusalem. You get to be part of, you know, eating the fruit of the tree of life. How awesome is that? You get to see the glory and the power of God, you know, in everlasting life. Now, I do think it's valuable to think about our eternal reward. And years ago, I made a request. I've told this story before, but I think it's it's it bears repeating because it's important for us to think about the reward that we get. Paul here, we see in 2 Timothy He's talking about how he ran the race, you know, he's kept the faith and the reward is coming. You know, he's going to get that crown of righteousness. He's very excited about that. He's focused on it. He's thinking about that. And I think it's good to think about your reward. Now, I have put in a request. I thought, well, if Jesus is going to go and prepare a place for me, you know, then I should let him know what I want. I assume that's maybe a little presumptuous, but I thought, well, you know, Lord, obviously you can do whatever you want, but if I have any say in it, here's what I want. And I, and so I, I prayed and I said, Lord, if I want an orchard and I want a few horses and I want a cart and I want a cabin and I want, you know, kind of a rolling hills in the orchard with big, big trees, you know, not, not little trees, but big trees in the orchard and, and get the fruit off the trees, put it in the cart driving into the big city because those people got to eat. So that's what I, I said, Lord, I, I want a 
a nice orchard with a cabin, some horses, and a cart. That's what I want. And so I put that request in. We'll see. (laughs) I don't know exactly how it's going to go, but it helps me to be anticipating my reward, you know, because it's exciting. Not only do we all who believe in Jesus walk in his ways, you know, serve the Lord, we receive eternal life and we get to walk the streets of gold in the new Jerusalem, but there's also some sort of a bonus program. You know, there's bonuses, there's treasures in heaven, there's kind of extra stuff. So I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and read a little section here. And it's pretty interesting how Paul talks about what happens, you know, when when we go meet the Lord. So look at this, this little section, chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though as one escaping through the flames. So basically what this is saying is if you're diligently serving the Lord, but everything you do is just not very good, you know, it'll all get burned up. Uh, you'll be saved, but you won't get these bonuses. You won't get the reward. And so like, I'd like some bonuses. I want to serve well. I want to build, you know, not with straw, you know, I want to build with, with good materials and I want to build something good. That means serve the Lord effectively, serve the Lord diligently, serve the Lord in ways that actually get something done. And then you get bonuses in heaven, not just being saved, eternal life and being, you know, part of the new Jerusalem and part of the new heavens and the new earth, you know, getting to participate in all of that. And by the way, there's no second class citizens in heaven. So the bonus program, it doesn't make some people better than others in heaven. It's just, I don't know, some sort of bonus, you know, this reward. I don't exactly know how it works, but I think it's going to be kind of neat. And it's not going to be something that makes anybody jealous or anything like that. It's just going to be some sort of a bonus program. So we can uh, look forward to actually winning the prize, actually getting eternal life and these bonuses. I mean, like serving God is worth it in and of itself. Then there's also salvation, eternal life in the paradise of God, and bonuses besides. Sounds pretty awesome. That being said, this life can also be challenging. There can be just times that are difficult. You know, we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, we see something, just a depiction of what can happen to people. You know, what we see here is, you know, people being insulted, people having things taken from them. And then just like a lot of time passing and they get discouraged. You know, if you've stood up for Jesus and faced a lot of negativity, faced a lot of hardships, or maybe you feel like God didn't come through when you wanted him to come through, you know, it can get discouraging. You know, maybe you prayed for six months and just never saw anything or whatever it might be. 
There can be times of discouragement, times where you're tired, times where life isn't working. And this is kind of described here in Hebrews 10, starting in verse 32. We'll read from verse 32 to verse 39. It says, Remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution, At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So joyfully accepted the confiscation of their property. Wow, that's uh, that's high faith. They're thinking, well, you know, we're going to get way more. You know, our reward is going to be so much greater since these things are being taken from us. They knew they had greater possessions, better and lasting possessions. Verse 35, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Why would the author of Hebrews have to say, do not throw away your confidence? It's because they're discouraged. They're kind of losing their confidence. They're losing that that vibrant faith in God. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, these are quotations, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. In verse 39, I love verse 39. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. So, you know, we don't want to shrink back. We want to have faith to salvation. Shrinking back leads to destruction, but having faith, continuing, overcoming, persevering, keeping the faith to the end brings salvation and victory. Now, uh, there is a solution for discouragement, and it's coming up here in Hebrews chapter 12. So the discouragement talked about in Hebrews chapter 10, you know, then it goes to Hebrews 11, which is all the examples of the people of faith that served God, both ones that suffered and ones that received, you know, great abundance in this life. We see that in chapter 10 and then in chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 11, then in chapter 12, we get the solution to discouragement. But let me talk about a couple of helpful things that aren't that solution from verse from the first few verses of chapter 12. One of the things that can help us from getting too discouraged is adding realistic expectations to your big faith. You know, you want to have strong faith. You want to believe God for great and mighty things. And you want to have realistic expectations. Seems like those two can't go hand in hand, but but they can. Trust God. Don't believe God for 20 steps down the road. Believe God for the next step and then for the next step, and then for the next step. When you want to skip a whole bunch of steps, it can lead to discouragement because you never meet the goal, you know? So add some realistic expectations mixed in with big faith. Another thing is learning from your mistakes and getting better rather than blaming other people. Um, If you don't learn, you're going to end up discouraged. If you hit a brick wall and you're like, well, if so-and-so hadn't done such and such, I wouldn't have hit that brick wall. And then you hit the same brick wall again. And then you're like, oh, well, this time it was those people that ruined it. Uh, and then you hit a brick wall again and you keep blaming other people. 
Well, you're going to get discouraged because guess what? You're, you're not passing the test. And so you're not going to advance. You're going to stay stuck because you're blaming other people instead of learning and growing yourself. So you want to learn and grow. You don't want to stay stuck because you won't take responsibility, you know, and that's also part of the rise up thing. You know, it can get discouraging when you don't get to participate in the things of God, but if you haven't grown, then you can't do it. You know, I mean, there isn't a ministry out there that doesn't take some, some difficult competencies to learn. You know, there's learning curves with doing ministries from volunteer ministry you know, all the way to to vocational ministry. But sometimes the volunteer stuff is really tough because just because you're a volunteer doesn't mean people are going to respond well. You know, you're serving sacrificially and you're you're going out of your way. That doesn't mean people are going to respond well. You still have to do ministry that's going to be life-giving to other people. And so you got to learn and grow to be able to do that. So go ahead and learn from your mistakes rather than blaming others. Another way to find a solution to discouragement is to find ways to help other people. Too many times we're just focusing too much on ourselves. We need to look at other people and find ways to help them, find ways to serve others. Those are some things. But now let's go to the discouragement mentioned in Hebrews 10 that is given in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. There's the bottom line. Verse three, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's go through this just a little bit. The first point from verse one, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So there are things that are weighing us down and holding us back. Some, you know, maybe isn't a sin, but it's something that's bogging you down and you got to get rid of that. Other things, you know, if you're, if you're slipping into your own, you know, sinful ways and that's pulling you away from God and God's plan, you got to shed that. You got to throw that stuff off. You know, that's what we see in verse one there. Then verse two, fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, see what Jesus has done. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't be looking at all your problems. Don't be looking at all the issues. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Then you can get past some discouraging things. Consider him, again, verse 3, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let me tell you how I overcome discouragement using these verses to fix my eyes on Jesus. Whenever I'm feeling particularly upset about something, especially if somebody's doing something I don't like, what I'll do is in prayer, I have, it's kind of a thought experiment, but something I do in prayer. I just, as I'm praying, I picture, you know, outdoor, hot, um, dry, rocky, sandy soil, a few little sprigs of, of kind of dried up weeds growing. And then I'm looking at the ground and there's a hot wind blowing 
and then there's a drip on the ground. And I start to look up and I see a big post in the ground. I look up farther and then there is Jesus on the cross and we make eye contact. And with Jesus on the cross, making eye contact, then I bring out my list of complaints and tell him face to face. The vast majority of the time, I can't even bring myself to talk about my list of complaints. Because just looking at Jesus and seeing his love and his sacrifice is enough for me to say, yeah, you know what? I'll be fine. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me. And it helps me get through. So if that's something that maybe is going to be helpful for you, I encourage you to do that prayer thought experiment. Put yourself in that place. But fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, Jesus finished the race. Paul finished the race. You and I can finish the race too. We can run through the finish line. So let's pray to finish the race and keep the faith. Let's pray to finish the race and keep the faith. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your wonderful plan of redemption, that you do not cast aside those who have failed and hurt people and fallen short of your glory and your goodness. But Lord, you redeem us. You forgive us. You pay the price for us so that we can be free and that our past does not disqualify us from the prize. Even though it should, Jesus pays the price. And so thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Help us to fix our eyes on you so that we don't get discouraged, so that we don't have the light and momentary troubles of this life distract us from your goodness and your glory and your power and our future in you. So Lord, guide us in that. And Lord, I pray for anyone who is seeking you or who is far from you, Lord, that they would find you and know you. Lord, help them to see, help them to receive of your glory and your goodness. Lord, I pray that you would guide people who have misconceptions of who you are into a real relationship with you. I pray that you would guide those who are running from you into repentance and turning to you. So Lord, I pray that you would bring people into a knowledge of who you are, that they could be saved, brought into your family, redeemed and forgiven, and that they could walk with you, bearing fruit for your kingdom, doing all those things that are worth it just for themselves, but also eagerly anticipating the prize and the reward that we receive as well. So Father, thank you for your great plan. Guide us and help us to stand strong for you as we run in such a way as to win the prize. And that involves finishing the race, running strong to the end. So encourage us with this. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.